super pumped to introduce you to today's guest, Jeremy Slate. He is a podcaster, and I love having podcasters on my podcast. One, because they're incredible guests. They're very good at sharing the mic, um, and they're also very good at commanding next navigation for a conversation. And Jeremy has an awesome story. His, his backstory, his uh, experience, his education, even his family life is something that you're totally going to want to tune into. He has been a top influencer ranked by Forbes. He's been the number one podcast to listen to by Inc. Magazine in 2019. He's been doing this for a minute and you'll find out that we're both millennials. And so we have a lot of things in common interest and also perspective. Um, but he is a jack of many trades, even in his educational realm. And so I'm grateful to know him and I hope that you will tune in to his Create Your Own Life podcast. But in the meantime, stay tuned on this one. Hear from a different part of the mic, a different lens, as you will, um, as he's the sharer instead of the interviewer. And so um, I want you to screenshot this. I want you to subscribe and like it and tag him because I know he'll be pumped and share it on his social media as well. So again, Jeremy Slate and you guys stay tuned to the Fit and Faith podcast. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. FIT is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted, no matter how far, wide, deep or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. I am so excited to be back again. I guess again, because I was literally live just a little bit ago. But this podcast is going to be unique in quality. And I'm so excited to dive into everything that is Jeremy Slate and the process of, of what he's done, not only in his career, but also in his life and how he has created his own based on the Create Your Own Life podcast. And you guys have to know that it was number one in new iTunes category and number 78 in the top 100 of iTunes. Pretty rad, pretty uh, pretty quality material right there. And so 910 episodes in, I'm uh, 100 and something. So I'm, I'm here to learn and be a student. Thank you for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's going to be a good one. So I, I uh, got introduced to you through Glenn Lundy a couple of weeks ago, as we clarified right before the show. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you said um, that was brought back to memory was that purpose doesn't slap you in the face. And I was like, yes, yes. that is so good. Unpack that for us a little bit. And let's uh, let's talk about your own purpose discovery. Yeah, well, I will say, first of all, I was uh, sporting my, my Rise and Grind t-shirt over the weekend, uh, so shout out to Glenn for sending that out to me. Nice. Um, but I'll say, I'll say one of the big things that I've seen, and I don't know if you've noticed this, so like I'm, I'm 34, so I fall like kind of into that millennial generation, and I, and I find that for some reason, I don't know when this changed, because like my, my upbringing was never like that, but I feel like a lot of people think that they're supposed to just one day find their purpose and, you know, that's going to be the thing they do and never work a day in your life and blah, 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 blah. But honestly, like finding your purpose takes work, right? You got to do a lot of things you don't want to do and you don't like doing in order to find what you want to do in life. It isn't just something that you wake up and you're like, oh, I want to be an astronaut. Like, it's not like that at all. You, you, you say, okay, so I've tried this career. I've tried that career. You know what? The career I want doesn't even exist. So I'm going to make it. But it's, it's not just one day you wake up, the, the skies opens up and the, you know, cherubim and cherubim are uh, singing and you kind of know your purpose. It's not like that at all. Yeah. And, and that feels hard, right? Because we're such an instantaneous generation. I'm literally 34 as well. So in that, in that millennial bracket, and it's the knowing that like, 
I, we didn't hear about this growing up. There was never like school or education, even in college, about mm -hmm. seek your purpose, go after your dream. It was like cookie cutter. You go to school, you go to college, you get out, you get yeah. a career. That's a nine to five. You start a four hundred one k. All of that, which I didn't, I didn't do. I went to college, didn't do the four hundred one k job plan kind of thing. And so, mm -hmm. talk us through like your journey and evolution into understanding that. Well, I, I did the sort of 401k job plan thing okay. it's, it's so um and it didn't really work out so it's <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because like i come from two really hard-working blue-collar parents uh, my mom was a beautician my whole life and uh, my dad was somebody that started the machine shop at a company um and with no formal training and it worked his way up to you know over 40 years becoming the vp of the company but it took 40 years to do that so like their viewpoint on something was you find the career you want, you work really, really hard for a really long time. And eventually, maybe one day, you make a decent amount of money and you get a watch when you retire. And that's just not what I saw for myself. Yeah. But I didn't really know an alternative. So um, I went to uh, undergrad. I have a double major in uh, religious studies and, and Catholic theology and um, didn't really know what I wanted to do when you come out because it's kind of like didn't really have a focus on that. So I came out and I'm like, all right, so I'll get a master's degree because what else do you do when you don't know what you want to do? So I got a master's degree in history. And then I came out in, in 2011 and it was a bad job market, frankly. And I wasn't really qualified to do a whole lot of anything except talk about esoteric subjects and things like that. And that was about it. So I actually worked for a year out of school and I was managing a gym at night from like six to 11. And then during the day I was Painting houses, but painting houses in the way that you do everything by hand, everything. Like we don't use sprayers or any of that kind of thing. So it was hard work. So I'd work all day, work all night, and I'd just sleep in between. And I did that for about a year. And I ran into uh, a friend of the family that, you know, one of the Catholic schools here in, in Jersey was looking for somebody to teach. And they're like, well, you don't really need the formal training or anything like that. So I ended up going into that. And I'll be honest with you, it was weird because like, there were no smartphones and things like that when I went to school. Cause like I said, I'm kind of a dinosaur by today's like social media standards. And my days were like people trying to like upset me and get me on camera so they could put it on YouTube or I think it was Snapchat at that point in time. So like that was every single day. They're like, oh, how hard can we push them today? Let's, let's prod them a little bit and see where it goes. Um, so I did that for about two years and I was kind of getting to the end of my sanity and in 2013, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke. And, uh, you know, we still have her to this day, but she is pretty disabled. So it made me look at a lot of different things I was doing in life. And I'm like, well, what do I want to do with my life? You know, where do I want to go? And I just, I went through so many different things that didn't work until I eventually just started a passion project, which is the podcast. And everything I'm doing now came out of that. That's incredible. I have a question in regards to like the transitional season of that yeah. and, and making those choices. Um, was it one of those like, I'm, I'm not going to go back choices or was like, what if I try this other thing? Maybe I'll go back. So I guess which transition, like coming out of school or coming out of the job market? The job market. You know, it was this situation of, first of all, I just I don't know. I, I was smart, but I wasn't very smart. You know what I mean? Like I was high IQ, but I wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Applicably, inte <laughs> applicably intelligent. Yeah. So my wife and I had seen this network marketing opportunity and I know what that was. So I saw this presentation. I thought I was going to be like, you know, making like a billion dollars in like a week. And I'm like, oh, I don't need my job. Why do I need my job? Who needs healthcare? So I, I quit after I saw that. Like that, that's how like that's awesome. unready for this situation was. Yeah. It, it's just, but I, I feel like you could have, taught me to do anything at that point in time. And I would have been like, all right, next thing, anything, because I just, right. yeah, I just wasn't happy. I'd had this yeah. serious life disruption and almost losing a parent. Yeah. And, you know, I, I myself had gotten last rights at 19 and it didn't really change my life, but it was when it was apparent that it really disrupted everything I was doing and kind of made me look at a lot of different things. Wow. So, I, so I think that like I was looking for something and it yeah. could have been anything at that point in time. How did you uh, work through that scenario just from like a, a belief system? I mean, you studied religion in school. Do you no. practice your faith regularly? So I wouldn't say like in an organized fashion because um, I just, you know, I, I think we can get too much into the the practice of it and, the you know, the sacrament of it rather than just, you know, the reason we're doing this and that's to have a, a connection with our creator. So for me, it's it's more a personal connection and a personal relationship than it is really, 
you know, in an organized fashion. Um, but it, it made me question a lot of things, you know, like, you know, what's happening here is, is God mad at me? Like all these different things. And you eventually realize that there, there's a couple different things in this, that these things happen to us so that, you know, we continue to look right. Because at some point we stop looking and we kind of realize like, this is where life is going. And I think the other thing is, um, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, we have to have these experiences because somebody that we're going to meet at some point in our life needs to hear this from you. And if you don't have that experience, you don't have that reality, you're not going to be able to help that person. So I think there, there's two things on that. It's that pattern interrupt. And at the same time, it's, you know, at some point in time, there's a greater picture to this. Yeah, I think a thousand percent. I think it, as you were saying it, it reminded me of the Good Samaritan. And nobody ever talks about his backstory. Like who did mm-hmm. that for him? Because yeah. likely at some point he had that exchange where it was a deposit in him to pay it forward. Um, so I love that you said that. And I think it's, it is so critical and crucial. As you stepped into podcasting, which is also mm-hmm. something I am so passionate about and love, um, I want to know why was it Create Your Own um, Life podcast out the gate? No, it was called okay. Rock Your Life the first time around. And that okay. was that was in... Uh, 2014 actually okay and and it was it was bad it was like really bad because like at that point in time i was still like trying to like i don't know figure my stuff out like you know what i mean like i'm like all right this this network marketing thing's gonna work i'm just gonna keep doing it it's gonna work at some point like they're telling me just trust the plan so i'm going with it um so i had started this podcast because i thought it was gonna like you know connect me with all these people and make me all this money and blah 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 um and that's when it didn't go well so the you know the graphic design was bad i didn't have a microphone so it was like you know, me in whatever room I was doing at that point in time it was my kitchen. So it was like, <laughs> like you couldn't really understand much of what I'm saying. And it was very life coachy, which I am the furthest thing from. So it just, it wasn't authentic. It wasn't yeah. helpful to anyone else. And I quit that in about 60 days. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I didn't start my current well, show. You didn't, you didn't draw it out too no, much. No, <laughs> no. I just, I was like, this is bad. Like I had like a hundred downloads and I swear like, um, 99 of them were my mom at that point in time. So like, it was that, it was that bad. So then in, that was in the middle of 2014. And then in 2015, I actually went with Rotary International and we did like a, um, like a mission type trip in Peru, which was pretty cool. cool yeah. And, um, I think the fact of just getting me out of my environment, getting me looking at something different and getting me to you know, look at a different style of life. Cause I think also we take a lot of things for granted here because we have everything. So because of that, I'm like, all right, well, you know, you didn't f- do well the first time. It wasn't the opportunity. It was you. What are you going to do about it? And I started the podcast a second time around just cause I really wanted to, you know, learn and help. And I think that was the biggest dis- difference. I didn't start it as even a, you know, a vehicle to make money. I had gotten a, a job at a friend's marketing firm at that point. So I could pay my bills. So I think that was a huge difference between the first time around and the second time around. Yeah, I love that. It's that place of service, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. like, it is what it is. But I think a lot of times the, the biggest thing about podcasting is it's creating connection. It's creating affirmation. It's teaching. It's training. It's it's serving. It's all of these things. Um, and, and people, when I teach them to podcast, the same thing. They're like, so how much money do you make? And I'm like, oh, oh hold on. Like, I don't even run sponsored ads. Yeah. And I do that with intention. Like, I don't need to. And if that's not what it's about. And mm-hmm. when I hear sponsored ads every five minutes, I want to go bananas. And so I think it's intentional that there's a happy medium, sure. Um, but it's the knowing that we have um, a service to the person who's listening to provide quality. Um, so you immediately went, and I think similar to me, into the interview, into the interview style podcast. Yeah. Is that correct? Well, it wasn't immediately because, like I said, the okay. first show was kind of well, like, yeah, but the first show was like, you could two. have your dreams, you can create your reality. You just got to think like it, it was oh like gosh. that. And you were like, it what? was like the 26? Yeah, it was like that character from the movie Blades of Glory, um, John Hedder's character. It's Jimmy. If you can dream it, you can do it. It was that bad. Like, it made me sick. Can I go back and listen? Is it still available? Oh, no. No, it is luckily nowhere on the internet. Good for you. Good for you. All right. So you're round two. And, and I will be transparent in the fact that I think that MLMs are also people who start that go into the network marketing thing. They're entrepreneurs. Like, right. They have, they have that belief 
in themselves. They have that willingness to risk um, mm-hmm. a lot of things, sometimes yeah. more than we should in that yeah. belief of the billions, like you said. And and I've done it for four different companies over the course of the last 14 years. And yeah. um, I've always loved it, but I knew that it wasn't like the one thing. There wasn't the well, thing I- that was going to be the full entirety of like, what is Tamara's purpose or what is Tamara's, what fulfills Tamara? I think that's a huge part of it too. Cause I know like for me, like I have some friends that, you know, still are in different businesses and do very well doing it. It's just, it just doesn't fit. It didn't fit my personality. It didn't fit like what I was able to do. Um, and it's just, you know, we all have our own gifts and talents and that yeah. just wasn't, wasn't really mine, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that there was also this piece of like, I I have shiny light syndrome, right? We're like, oh, that looks fun. Let's do that. I'm like a squirrel. But like, I have gotten a lot better about discernment and making sure that I am choosing the things that are for me and mm-hmm. not not for everyone, excuse me. And so um, during that time, I was like, okay, here's the structure, right? It felt very structured, very like mm-hmm. closed in, um, but it'll work. And I was like, I want to try this and do this. I want to try this and do this. And as I got the taste of these different opportunities, podcast mm-hmm. being one of them, I realized that those other things just need to be laid down and they were just more distractions than yeah. they were delivering me to the thing that I was supposed to do. Well, I know like for me, like I kept building businesses to try to make those business to make those opportunities work. It was like, all right, I will start an in-home personal training company. Yeah, I did. Um, that. I will <laughs> like so I kept doing all these different things to make it work. I'm like, all right, I just need to find what fits me as a person and, and my abilities and things like that. But like I, I think that's one of the reasons that I'm a huge proponent of I see something really missing right now between high school and college. Mm. You know, like a hundred years ago, you would have had an apprenticeship where you worked under somebody for a period of time. And that would have been two things, a way to really learn or a period of discernment. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that's a really big thing that's missing because we're not getting that experience. We're not getting that understanding and realizing, all right, that's not for me. Next thing. We, we put so much attention on what that thing's got to be yeah. and that we have to know it right away. Yeah, we're putting tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars towards it and expectation that you're going to step out. And this is what you're going to do forever. Yep. And I've had friends who have even stood in like guilt or shame over the fact that they are no longer doing that thing or they couldn't pivot away from that thing because their parents paid for them to go to school. Yeah. And so they're like, I have to do this. This is my this is what I, I went to school for. I'm like, yeah, but you're 30. And are you going to do that for another 40 years? Well, hopefully when people don't work till 70, but still, right? It's like, Really, is that the mentality that we're going to have? But it's the structure that's been shown. And yeah. you were exampled essentially from a blue collar perspective, right? My dad was in the military. My yeah. mom was an entrepreneur. So I had a little bit of a different background. Well, I think school is just exorbitantly like expensive now too. Like it doesn't need to cost as much as it did. Like in my opinion, I think it should be based on, you know, really making some percentage of your salary for a few years after you're out of school, because like they would care a lot more about your ability to make money when you get out. And I think that's really, really important rather than like, all right, it's a hundred thousand. These are gonna be the best years of your life. Um, Like, you know what I mean? Like not application after you're done. I think that's a huge missing opportunity. Yeah, I love that. I've never even seen that presented before. I love the idea. There's a um, conference that's been brought to my attention that's happening here locally. And it's called like, I think it's the third chapter is what Mm -hmm. it's called. And it's this um, uh, collection of ministers and pastors and people coming together to help people transition from high school, if chosen, like a vocational school into mentorship. And really, it doesn't have to be necessarily underneath the church. It could be for people who are just in the community and have businesses and they're looking for that, like you were saying, um, the apprenticeship experience. Yeah. And and really, that's where I've learned the most, even today, whenever I have mm-hmm. that opportunity to kind of lean in and glean from what they're learning. And that's the whole point of like failing forward and saying like, I've done that before. Don't do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and and we, I just don't feel like it was almost like the generation above and maybe you can have a different experience, but the generation right above us, they didn't want to give us access to those fail forward experiences because they didn't understand that language around purpose or vulnerability. Do you think? So? Uh, I, I think there's a lot more at play of it than that as well. Yeah. Like, you, you know what I mean? Because like, it's even the ridiculousness of every kid that plays T-ball gets a trophy. It's yeah. like, there's, there's winners and losers in life. And yeah. I think it was a cultural shift that yeah. happened somewhere between the eighties and nineties of, you know, like, you know, you lose some, you win some, but you keep showing up. Instead, we're saying, well, you showed up and you lost big time, but it's okay because you showed up. And it's like, 
Yeah, but eventually you, you, you should realize you should do something different if you keep showing up and failing. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think it, at the same time, a big part of it was a cultural shift that some of our parents didn't even have control over. Right, right. I, I understand that for sure. And as I coach a lot of people who are older than me, it's yeah. really interesting when I'm like sharing revelations or things that I've practiced and it's like brand new information. Like they've mm-hmm. never read this book before. And I'm like, what? where have you been? What rock have you been hiding under? Like, it's really interesting. Um, But it's just never been, they've never been exposed to it. And then once you get into that routine or cycle or rat wheel, whatever you want to call it, you're like nose down, head down on Mm -hmm. the one thing. And I think the cool thing about entrepreneurship, and I'm sure you've experienced this with podcasting and actually like celebrity interviews and having those experience of like, what makes you tick? What makes you successful Mm -hmm. is you are being exposed to so much information. Well, I think it's that that's a really, really great point because that's, I have an obnoxiously weird amount of knowledge, like specialized knowledge that like in many areas of life would be of no benefit to me, but it's really helped me to keep up conversations with people of all different walks of life and areas of life. And I, I think because of that, like you're saying, I've been able to have richer conversations. I've been able to understand people better. Like I have a degree in ancient history. Like who <laughs> does that? You know what I mean? But like, you know, I had a conversation the other day, somebody the other day about the uh, failures of Athenian democracy and why it didn't work and why it started to, to dissolve. Wow. But, but it allows you to, to have a, a wide swath of conversations with many, many different people. And I, and I think that in itself is a really valuable thing to have. Yeah, I 1000% agree. And I think that that's why at any given time, I have a plethora of books following me around or in my Audible on cue. And I, I, li- I listen and consume lots of different information. And I think that that's the same way of how it should be with like our social circles. Like, who are you connected to? Oh, you're with that group. It's almost like that cool kid that floated around to all the groups in high school. And they're like, how are they friends yeah. with them? You're friends <laughs> with them? You're friends with them, right? But they got along with everyone. And I think if we we allowed ourselves to do that versus having just not to say you shouldn't be specialized or an expert in something. I'm not <laughs> opposed to that phrase like methodology either, but yeah. it allows the becoming of thyself and it, yeah. it's not, it becomes flexible versus fixed, which I just talked about in a total different perspective earlier. But it's also like being able to communicate to a wide swath of people, which I think is important because you have a little reality, but at the same time, which in itself is a skill, but at the same time, one of the skills that I've really worked hard on, and I, and I don't know if you've experienced this, Tamara, like, like, like one of the things that I've really worked on is you're in a conversation with somebody, you can kind of fish to see what their acceptance level are for different things to see kind of where they stand. Yeah. And that allows you to kind of speak to their reality and really understand where somebody's at and actually learn more about them rather than coming at them with, well, this is what I believe and this is why you should agree. And it's so, yeah. so like, you know, I have strong beliefs and things like that, but I've also learned the skill of learning how to kind of fish just a little bit, see where somebody's at so I can really communicate to them on their level of reality because I think that's important too. Yeah, yeah. I also like to like pull people out of their level of reality just a little bit yeah. because like you said, when you went and traveled to Peru, like it was this whole other level of awareness that you gained access to. Well, that's an environmental like, shift. I think oh, environmental yeah. shifts are so valuable because yeah. you look at your hometown, you look at the yeah. area you're from, you look at your country, wherever it is. When all, all of a sudden you're somewhere else and your entire reality is disrupted, yeah. you're kind of forced to be more in present time, right? You're kind of forced to be more in that space and in that reality. A hundred percent. You said that you had that personal training background. So part of my um, my coming to self and coming to awareness of the, of my not only my faith, but also um, that alignment factor of understanding flow and the opportunity of flow in our life um, mm-hmm. was through fitness and health and wellness and to correlate the first conversation to this piece was I'll take people on international retreats. And the first one that I did, I took people who had never been out of some people who had never been out of the country, some Mm -hmm. people who fitness and nutrition and just that mental health space is not something they ever explored. And it gave me an opportunity by shifting their entire present, like where are your feet into a whole nother environment where Mm -hmm. they actually were willing to be that sponge again, unlike being at home, structured comfort zones, everything is in my control here. They had no control because I didn't even tell them what we were doing later that afternoon. Mm -hmm. But the fitness piece, the talk to me about how the fitness and nutrition side of things has really helped your growth and clarity as you've, as you continue to grow on. 
Well, I, I think in a couple of different ways, like it's really changed my life in a lot of different ways. Like when I was younger, I was somebody that was really picked on and the fitness aspect honestly just gave me more confidence. It wasn't from the perspective because at the same time, we create a lot of what we get from other people. So just by showing up more confident, you have a better experience, at least it's, you know, I can only say from what I've lived because that's what I, what I understand. So it really helped me in that way. The other aspect too, is I had been a wrestler my whole life and you don't really develop some very good dietary habits wrestling because you're always trying to make a certain weight or things like that. And, you know, I'd naturally be 150 pounds, but I'd be trying to wrestle 140. So it's like, you're not very good to your body. Mm -hmm. So it taught me number one confidence, but number two, how to structure, you know, my eating and taking care of myself so that I could physically do well. And I think that is a really big deal because it's made it so that my fitness is one of my priorities and the thing I do first every day so that when I can show up to the rest of my day, I show up as the best version of myself. Yeah. So I think that is really, really vital. And when you get that out of the way and, and really confront that, you show up better in every area of your life because you've tried some things that are difficult. You've worked hard. You've pushed yourself. You've added structure to your life. And I think fitness is one of the single most beneficial things that anyone can do for their life. Yeah. I love the confidence piece, especially from a yeah. woman's perspective, right? Like they're, they're always felt like they're striving for something. And it's, it's interesting to hear the juxtaposing position of a man who walked through it. Um, my son's in jujitsu and he is forever flashing his eight, 10, whatever, 12 pack that day. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> we need some humility in this household. Yeah. And so he had his first competition this past weekend and it was going out the gate with the golds. Then he hit the bronze and then they put him into the upper uh, weight class and he was on the mat. He was pinned. Mm -hmm. Right. And watching that from the side, like you're just like so heartbroken. But the very next day we talked about fuel and he's gluten free because of intolerances. And we eat like very clean in our house and mm -hmm. he can't stand it. Cause what do, what do most kids want? They want goldfish and all the carbohydrate loads that they could possibly have. And we're like, we don't even have it. Why do we have to eat this all the time? Right. So the next day we have this opportunity based on the loss based on the fail forward experience for us to then compound and create a new platform of understanding in the nutritional side of things. Mm -hmm. And so now he knows that the fuel and the fitness, they parallel for us to walk through life. My two and a half year old hasn't really gotten there yet. Oh, um, she's, I'm, I'm still trying to convince her to eat things. So, so we're oh. not quite, we're not quite there yet with her. Daddy, I want hot dog. No, you shouldn't have hot dog. So like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's so hard at that age. We're not, we're not quite there yet with my it's two and a half hard. year old. Mine are six and eight and it's still, it, I still have those moments where I'm like, just eat it. Just have it. It's fine. <laughs> I, I'm not fighting an 80, 20 rule. Like it's good. Um, I, I'm curious. So we're going to pivot a little bit because I think yeah. that there's a huge component of what you do that has evolved out of podcasting. Um, and it's something I'm really in, in tune with as well as this understanding of branding. So mm -hmm. you shifted from your successes in podcasts into with your wife, which I absolutely love and want to speak to as well, um, command your brand. And it's in order to help the entrepreneurs get their messages across um, and appearing just like this on podcasting. So talk us through how you how you serve people in that way. So we really look at ourselves as the PR firm for the podcast space. Um, we had started originally as a full production house. And we realized that a lot of the people we want to work with are super busy where they're like, hey, a show would be great, but I don't really want to run that whole you know, gamut of things. So what we actually ended up doing was focusing on like, who do you need to be in front of? How do you need to speak to them? Um, and, and things like that. So um, my, my co-founder is my wife and she's been in PR for about 12 years. So, you know, my online marketing with her PR side of things, we've really been able to engineer like how a message works and how to get in front of the right people and use the campaign via the podcast space. So that's what we've been doing at Command Your Brand since 2016. Really cool. So talk us through working with your wife and, and where was the ideation phase for that? Was she entrepreneurial before this idea came to be or she was just in the PR realm? So she comes from a, a a family that, you know, ran a private private practice doctor's office for a long time. And so she's always been used to that kind of lifestyle. So that was always something she wanted to create. She's been doing PR for a few different businesses out there. And what we did was always super far apart. Like I said, I was a history teacher. And then she was on the other side being in PR. And we're like, yeah, we're never going to work together. And it was interesting as our paths, you know, sort of started to, to come together 
And honestly, the biggest thing that we had to learn was how to build, run, and manage a team because that's the way that you're really going to, you know, successfully help your clients. So that's been our biggest focus over the last, you know, four years. And we we started with, you know, just the two of us and now we're up to a team of 18. So it's wow. it's really been, you know, kind of a cr- incredible experience. Quick commercial break. I know I hate these things too, but it's so critical that you grow your business for God's sake. And I mean that pun intended with all the love in my heart to get you from a place of ideation to activation. Stop dreaming, start doing, stand up, start saying yes to the call that God has on your life. We are going to be joining in Lexington, Kentucky with none other than the beautiful Rise and Grind community with Glenn Lundy, who will be co-hosting this incredible conference. This is the second annual and he has taken me under his wing to be able to share this stage to motivate and inspire. And I cannot wait to see you there. November 5th through the 7th, if you want to come in for the VIP experience, which who doesn't want to come along for VIP? That's all access passes to the speakers and the artists. And you'll be able to dine with us in the private rooms with your own special bathrooms. So of course, come one day, two day, three day passes available as well. And we cannot wait, as Glenn and I say, to hug your neck. See you there. Jeremy, are you there? Oh, he's popping back in. I've got good service, so I'll hang out with you guys for a bit. I love podcasting so much. Um, I love teaching podcasting. I never thought of doing it from a PR perspective, though. I really think that there's something to that because I know how hard it is for um, me to get on podcasts, which is really surprising. So if that's something that you need, I would highly encourage you to reach out to Jeremy with Command Your Brand. Uh, Hopefully he comes back in. It looks like we're still live and hanging out. Um, So as he mentioned, he was on um, Glenn's show recently and some other accolades that he has that are pretty impressive as he was named the number one podcast to listen to by Inc. Magazine in 2019, as well as the top influencer by Forbes. Um, And so the command your brand strategy, I think is uh, pretty epic. And the fact that he's been doing it for 2000 or for 2000 years since 2016 um, allows for some pretty grandiose legs and that experience as an entrepreneur, um, because it's before a lot of people were even focused on podcasting. So to already have that representation is really important. Um, He's not coming back in, but I can keep running here about podcasting or how about you guys want to know what it's like to work with your spouse, because I am in the midst of that. So My husband and I are both entrepreneurs and we both run two different companies, one of which is um, HVAC. He's been in the HVAC industry for a really long time. It's very service oriented. Really, he loves it for the people. And I have my coaching company. And so a few years ago, I was getting ready and um, I remember listening to Rachel and Dave Hollis and it was uh, they were on their couples podcast at the time and they were talking about his transition uh, between his work with Disney and he was a, a huge exec and CEO again in like a 401k study or sturdy foundation of business. And she was an entrepreneur and running all the things and also obviously running into some great success uh, based on her decade, if not decade and a half of work. So similar age bracket, honestly, to where I am right now with my husband and um So when I was listening to this podcast, they were talking about him stepping out of a full-time position into the CEO position of his business, of her business, I'm sorry. And she was stepping down from CEO into like the visionary role, which is something I am really passionate about and really want to do uh, because that's where I thrive. Uh, My coach actually taught me about wealth dynamics and it's a test that I would really encourage you guys to try and take. And the intent of it is that you take this test, no different than like a personality test, but it actually teaches and trains you how you become most affluent um, and how you create your wealth in these specific categories. And then also who you need alongside you in order to make those work. So I took my wealth dynamics. I am what they call a star and I like to be on camera and I like to share and I like to teach. Yay. He's back. So there you are. We had a power outage. So oh, that's crazy. No, I came back on. No problem. All right. So you were literally getting into. Um, so you were saying that who life. do I, you were saying, who do I come to for leadership? Yes, let's go. 
And then I was saying, um, and then I was realized I was talking to myself for a second. Um, so your, it dep- pro- your frozen picture was nice, though. You got lucky with that. <laughs> well, it, it depends on like what I'm looking for for leadership in, right? I have different people I go to for different things. So like if it's from, you know, like a like a business perspective, I have one person I go to, whereas, you know, I have a huge mentor from the PR role, which is uh, a guy named David Breyer. Um, he's smart in, in branding and marketing and, and PR and everything like that. So I tend to get a lot of his viewpoints on things. But like there's so many different people I go to for different things. I'm not like I think some people have like a be all end all person they go to, but it depends on what topic I go to. It depends on like who I'm going to go to. Yeah, no, I love that. And that uh, literally talks right back to what we were sharing before is like a wealth of knowledge from a lot of different backgrounds to be able to then have a lot of different types of conversations, travel mm-hmm. the world and and have those expressions of culture and understanding them from a different lens. Now that you and your wife are working together and seeming so with a two and a half year old, tell me and a, about- and a four month old and a four month old. That's what, that's oh, what wow. I was actually like two minutes late on you to start here because I realized I was trying to make my four-month-old laugh and I didn't realize what time it was. Uh, hey, the sweeter things in life, right? You, know, you, can't, you can't replace those moments. So tell me about that, that role, that run of entrepreneurship and family. And I don't believe in the word balance, but if that's mm-hmm. what you want to use, go for it. I don't believe in the word balance okay. either. Like, 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 you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's so hard, right? Because especially when you're in business together and you know, it just, it, there, there really isn't the barrier that people think there is there. So what we've tried to do is build our life and business together, right? Like, and, yeah. and build those two things together. So like, um, not that we've been able to travel much recently, but whenever I've traveled for speaking, like we've done family trips around it. We, we did a, a five city tour of Europe in 2019 when I spoke in Ukraine, which was really, really cool. cool. So it's, we've tried to do those type of things. And the thing we've tried to get better at now is we didn't always have like executive level people in our business. So because of that, a lot of problems and issues and things to handle came back to my wife and myself. So what we've really done now is we started to build an executive team so that, you know, we can have more time to do things. We can have more time to function as a family. But especially when you're building a, you know, small, fast growing business, it takes a lot of your time. So you have to get smart and strategic with what you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah. Where, where do you feel like the most like tension points are? Do you, does she have a, a strength or I'm sure you guys have strength and weaknesses that are different, but is there like a tension point in the business where you're like, I don't see eye to eye there? No, really. we, we tend to see eye to eye on most things. It's just that realizing like where one person's good and the other person's not like, um, like she knows not to put me on the phone with a, a client or somebody that's upset. Cause I may strangle them through the phone. <laughs> Whereas if a really important email needs to get written, I'm very, very good at that, you know? So it's like, it's, it's realizing where your strengths are and where somebody else's are and kind of letting them do their thing and not get in the way. Yeah, really good. I was talking when you popped off about um, a podcast that I had heard and the podcast was talking about how the male um, of the husband was moving from a 30 year career with Disney and becoming the CEO of what was like an influencer perspective type of business. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might be familiar with Dave and Rachel Hollis at the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I was listening to this podcast and he was just making this big leap and transition into that role. And I remember like weeping because I realized like I am not intended to be the CEO CEO and carry all of these things. I am more like the visionary, the creative, the, you know, putting the information out there and saying yes, but I need that executive role. And my husband is also an entrepreneur. And so he's constantly not only mentoring me because he's a few years ahead of me in his business, um, but also coming in, I see him coming in eventually and being like, yes, no, yes, no. Right. Cause I'll just, I'll just run. I'm like, let's have it. Let's have it. Um, so I think it's really interesting. And a lot of people just even last week, I was going on a date night with my with my husband and my my mom said, don't talk about business. And I was like, Mom, you don't know our relationship. Like, we love that. It's, like, it's so it's hard to not so do that of who we are. Yeah. Hey, and if you do it well enough, it could be a write off. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is, it's an executive meeting, right? Like it depends, you know? <laughs> you know, you know, this is so true. And and now, and as your kids get bigger too, you'll understand. I'll be curious to see how you integrate entrepreneurship and, and your life with them. Um, because well, my kiddo started a business during COVID. 
Well, I, I think the thing that, that we're going to have to figure out is, um, and I, I don't know where you stand on this, but I'm not super excited about the public school system anymore. i um, a little bit concerned, honestly. So we're looking at homeschooling as well. So that's something we're going to have to figure out. Like, yeah. do we get tutoring help? Will we be, you know, because she's almost three. So it's like we got a couple years yet till we figure out, you know, will we be in a place where we can do more of that ourselves? So that's something, you know, we personally have to figure out. But I am terrified of the school system. Yeah, I, and I, survived I was a product. It. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm a product of it, and, and me and my husband were always like, we thought we did, we turned out all right, but 100. percent Our kids are in an alternative education um, area, which is called like it's an independent school, mm-hmm. so it's not private, and they're it's like very experiential, very hands on. They're out mm-hmm. in the garden, they're getting dirty. Like I, I want them to have those experiences where they're not sitting at a desk and they're usually on a play mat or they're, yeah. they're doing all the different things. Right. And same for me, I have that huge value system. And so financially, we never thought that we would be doing that. Um, but we had some non-negotiables and as mm-hmm. we saw them thrive when they were little, it was the same exact investment for them to go to childcare or to their experiential um, education when they were young, as it was for them to go to this independent school. And unlike most people who were just like, I'm ready to recoup the investment of their daycare. We were ready to invest more at that point when we saw how much they thrived in that type of environment. So we're super grateful that they're in school and learning and in, in a different type of education, but homeschool. I tried during COVID. Didn't didn't pan out so well. I'm a really good teacher to other yeah. people's children. But when my child is like Mowgli and sits with both feet like in a squatting position with no shirt on and doesn't want to brush his teeth on the kitchen table. Oh my we had, so like, we had friends off it. we had friends over for the fourth of July this year and we're just like potty training currently. Uh-huh. And my daughter just decided one day that she was gonna potty train herself because we had one of those like my size potties. But we're all sitting down to uh like eat and all of a sudden my two-year-old walks over by the barbecue grill pulls down her pants and just starts pooping and my friend goes oh my god this makes everything worth it this is the craziest thing i've ever seen but like i i get it i i get the whole mowgli thing like it's i get it, it. Is. it's ridiculous and like the school like zoom is trying like everyone needs to have a shirt on everyone and i'm like do you want to come parent my child because that's not going to happen and honestly as long as he's paying attention do you really really care so it's uh it's it was an interesting experience and i'm grateful they have a home to call school <laughs> um but also very grateful that it's outside of the public school system which is really sad because i have a lot of friends who are public school teachers mm-hmm. and i know that their hearts and what they advocate for and how they teach and all of those things have good intent it's the system right yeah because i know like for myself like on on a, on a really serious note like i was always a really smart kid in school like you know i had a high iq young i would finish stuff quickly because i you know i was just super literate like not to toot my own horn it's just how i was yeah. but like you already told yourself that you weren't smart earlier so you counterbalance yeah there we go <laughs> so like but like I would finish all my work really fast. So they're like, oh, we're going to put him in the talented and gifted program. My parents are like, wow, that sounds great, you know, for smart kids. So what they did is they just gave me longer projects, not harder projects. Mm-hmm. And eventually I realized it was dumb. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to just do more work because you want to keep me busy. Like, you know, challenge me. Yeah. So they had a meeting with my parents and they're like, so unless he goes on prescription drugs, he can't stay in school. So I just like that has always terrified me. And I just don't want that experience for my kids. I want, you know, whether it's a homeschool or a specialized learning learning program or whatever it may be i want them to be challenged and i want them to you know really have their skills worked on not yeah. be told all right so we're going to drug them because we can't handle your kid yeah and and honestly i've i've been battling that um, actually a couple of years ago specifically with my son and they wanted the testing and all of these things and I just, I didn't do it. I'd never followed through. And there was a lot of conversations about it. And there's even like some components of guilt because I have other people who are now adults who are just finding out that they have ADHD or that they need prescription or any of these things. And it's been- It's my superpower. It's why Why I can do 10 things at once and do them well. Do you know Fanzo? Do you know, he's a- Oh, I know Fanzo, yeah. Oh, okay. So he's from hometown here. And he just had this whole conversation on Clubhouse about that experience for himself. And it was like, it's his superpower. That's what he said says and it's if you channel so channel true. it correctly is an incredible thing to have yeah. because i can do five things at once and do them well because it's just how my crazy little yeah. brain is you know what i mean yeah yeah and and i think my husband has it too never been diagnosed but he talks about it all the time because he can do the same thing i'm like why do you have five projects happening and he's like i get bored with this one but that one's doing good and then i'll i'll pop over here in a little bit oh like, I, I gotta understand. get out of here i gotta get out of here but i think it's important because when you're looking at it from the perspective of a little 
little being, right? Like how do you then channel that energy and what is most effective for them? Jiu-jitsu has been an amazing thing for him. Um, he always still says that recess and lunch are his favorite and he's not into school at all, but we've given him and armored him with tools that he is actually succeeding and doing really mm -hmm. well. He just doesn't like it. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to say a couple more things because we're going to close in on the hour here. And um, first off, thanks for being here. I'm, yeah. I'm honored to know you and super excited to um, get in tune with your PR piece because I don't think I realized from the branding perspective, I immediately attached it to like digital media, right? And how you're kidding somebody from a forward facing perspective. But I believe voice is so critical and yes. podcasting is massive. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's why Clubhouse has been so successful in the voice connection with people. Um, so so talk us through like your perspective on niching into this podcasting realm. Well, I'll say right now, like there's no other place, you know, you mentioned Clubhouse other than Clubhouse that you can really have long form conversations, which is incredible. Like, because if you're on TV, if you're in any of the other places, like it's such a small snippet. It's a tiny, it's a tiny snippet of something you're going to have. So it's an incredible medium in that way. And there's a really great opportunity to build a brand there. And the thing I'm going to say to that, though is I don't think everyone's equipped to have a podcast because you have people that are like, so my audience is everyone and I teach them how to do everything. Well, <laughs> good luck finding everyone with everything. You have to really niche down. It's really important to figure out exactly who you serve, how you serve them and what you discuss. Now, here's the thing that you want to take a look at that with though. I think some people kind of like put it on a pedestal and they're like, all right, this is all I do. Well, here's the thing, like as a person, you're always growing, right? Like you may find the topics you cover change. You may find the audience you serve changes and that's fine, but you have to be willing to kind of go through that development. And I, so I think if you can niche down, if you could be okay with the process, if you could continue to grow, you're going to do really, really well in the podcast space. But if you're somebody that's going to get two months into this and be like, why haven't I made a million dollars podcasting yet? This is probably not the right place for you, honestly, but it's an incredible opportunity to people that realize this is an incredible networking tool. It's an incredible way to chat with people and an incredible way to connect with a lot of people you never really would have the time of day to connect with, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I always tell people that it's one of my favorite things that I do on a consistent basis that I make time for because it is, it's quality information. Nothing else is distracting me, right? Unless there's an ambulance that drives by, but it's really just like you and I having this conversation. And, and my intent is always with these conversations beyond just like, what can I learn and how can I grow, but how can I serve? And I think that's full circle to how we were having our conversation at the beginning. And so understanding that like, as you were saying, everyone to everything, I imagined like a blank cursor in Google because no different than searching on YouTube or searching on Google, people search podcasts, right? They mm -hmm. want the information, they search the topic. And if you're blank and you're every, typing everyone and everything on Google, imagine what you're going to get. And so I love that that you believe in that perspective. I also think that there is that margin for for not only growth but expansion as you expand your audience. Um, and I and I have loved it. I think it's such a fun way to show up in the world um, uniquely and also to give you a lot of really great content. No, I, I agree because I, I I know like even for me the reason I started the podcast is because I was an academic writer. So good luck with anybody trying to understand anything I was saying. So it it really opens the opportunity to a lot of people that can have incredible conversations. But then figuring out how to use that content in different ways, right? Like you can use one interview that you spend a half hour on, you know, for a couple of years if you figure out how to use that content in different ways, especially if it's video. Yeah, really, especially with its video. And I think that's one of the biggest things is like the whole vodcasting world, right? I was doing a, a presentation with PodFest and like most people don't do video because they're doing this for a I didn't for the first only. three years. Really? See, I went right into it, but it was also... It would have been when you started is when I started in the video realm. And it was mm. only because of Joe Rogan. My husband's a huge Joe Rogan fan. And so I was always watching him watch him. And I'm like, it's so weird that you sit on somebody's conversation like that for so long, talking about everything and everyone. And he can do that, but he's been doing it a lot longer than me. So I get it. 
It's funny because you were talking about uh, people that have way too many ads in their episodes before. And actually, the thing that came to mind was me was Joe Rogan's show because now on Spotify, it's so hard to get past the ten minutes of ads in the beginning before you can hear anything. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he uh, he actually has stopped watching the long form content and he just watches the clips on YouTube. Yeah, because he's like, I can't, I can't do it. I'm intentional with my time. I can't listen to ads, which is a bummer. Uh, but he still loves him. So that's good. So it's been amazing, Jeremy, having you here. I would love, is there any like final tidbits of things that you want to share specifically to circle back to the beginning of the conversation when you said your purpose doesn't slap you in your face? We've heard about your journey and uh, I think other people are encouraged by that. Well, there's one book out there that everyone should read and it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. And Cal talks about the idea of finding is not to chase your passion, but find something you're good at and continue to get better and better and better at it. And that's when passion comes in. So passion never comes first. It comes at finding a skill and continuing to improve that skill. So I I would definitely check out that book. Really good. Thank you so much for that. And if they want to get in touch with you, where do you hang most besides your podcast? Or is that where you're at? So I'm at Jeremy Ryan Slate um, on all major platforms. And I'm over at JeremyRyanSlate.com. Awesome. And then you guys go tune in to Create Your Life podcast. And if you need help in the PR realm, command your brand. Uh, All the links are provided here. And we're excited to uh, connect with you further. Me specifically, when you were offline, I was like, I think I needed services. So (laughs) I'll be reaching out. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Have an awesome day. Hey, y'all. It's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.